guys. I want to welcome everybody at the Eden campus. I'm tickled to death to see you here. Uh, I'm telling you, you guys amaze me. Uh, staying up late, getting up early, being in church. Thank God for that. A lot of the guys and gals uh, that are in the media and in the, uh, the music team, they were up real late last night, and a lot of them beat me here this morning early. I salute you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. What a blessing you are, and I thank God for that. I want to welcome everybody at the Eden Campus, everybody at the River Campus, those that are watching online and those that are listening by radio, and I'm excited about being here today. We are presently in a Bible teaching series called Painkillers. Painkillers. Uh, when, when we looked there together, uh, last night at Revelation Wall, they were selling T-shirts, and somebody came up, looked at one of the shirts, said painkillers on the back, and the old boy said, before I got saved, I used to sell those. Now, you got to realize, we're not talking about, <coughs> we're not talking about uh, pharmaceutical drugs or illegal drugs. We're talking about what happens to you when your heart is breaking. What happens to you when your life is shattered? What happens to you when your world is turned upside down and you're standing there looking at your life and you're thinking, man, I've got a lot of pain and I don't know what to do. Where do you run? Where do you go? What's the big idea? And the big idea is this. You may want to write this down. When people are hurting, where do they go to get away from the pain? Where do you go when your life is just turned topsy-turvy and you don't know what to do? And we've been talking about that. Can you believe this, guys? Uh, we've been talking about that for seven consecutive weeks about painkillers. And we've been discussing it and looking it over and over and over and over again. And I want you to remember this. In, and by the way, this is the last message of the painkiller series. But I want you to remember this, and I want you to write this down. This is a profound statement that we made in the beginning. If we've established the fact that if you run to the wrong thing to try to escape your pain, your pain will get worse. If you go to the wrong place to get away from pain, what's going to happen is that your pain is not going to get better, it's going to get worse. And we have found, as we've looked across our world today, that there are many, 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 many people that are hurting and their lives are shattered, and many of those people run to the wrong place to try to get away from their pain. The only real relief from pain is Jesus. He is the chain breaker and he's the pain taker, amen? And so far, we've talked about six that you want to write down. I'm not going to rehearse all of them, but I do want you to get the, the, the big deals about this. The very first thing we talked about in this series was when people are hurting, they'll turn to isolation, that is, uh, they'll get alone, and, and that's what the devil really wants you to do is get by yourself so he can mess with you. And we talked about that when you go to isolation, your pain doesn't get better, it gets worse. You may be hurting, struggling, battling, going through all kind of things, but you don't want to go into isolation because God has built us for community, and we're supposed to help each other. So a lot of people run to isolation when they're in pain. Secondly, write it down. A lot of people run to inappropriate relationships when they're in pain. That is, they, they're in a situation and they think, well, if I can find somebody that will love me, somebody that will care for me, uh, then I'm going to be all right. And people run from one inappropriate relationship to the other inappropriate relationship only to find out 
their, their pain gets worse when they run into inappropriate relationships. And then thirdly, we talked about an independent spirit. Uh, when a lot of people have pain in their life, they get an independent spirit saying, I don't need anybody. And they, they get an attitude about themselves and they reject people and they have this independent spirit that says, I can do life alone. And that's terribly wrong. You'll find that an independent spirit will cause you more pain. And then we talked about idolatry, how that when people are in pain, they will create for themselves idols that they begin to worship or they give their heart to <clears throat> and that in and of itself creates more problems and then we talked about the painkiller of intoxication how that intoxication is a state of altering the mind uh, you can be intoxicated with alcohol you can be intoxicated with drugs but nonetheless it is an alteration of the mind and when the mind is altered it doesn't think clearly and intoxication will bring more pain to your life and we discussed that and studied that and then we talked about last week which is an interesting one intellectual sabotage that is, when you get hurt and you're going through pain, if you're not careful, uh, you, will, you, will, you will start saying, well, I'm going to get smart. And a lot of times, uh, you get on the pursuit that I'm going to get smarter than God. And how many of you understand this? You cannot get smarter than God, amen. But a lot of people want to build a platform of intellectual sabotage, getting smarter than God, getting smarter than everybody else. And when you do that, you're building a platform that's going to create more pain for you uh, down the road. Now, I would encourage you, today's the last message on the series, and it's an interesting thought and the painkiller of insecurity, insecurity. Uh, the devil knows how to use that against us, y'all. When we get hurt, a lot of times we get insecure. And that insecurity uh, causes us much, much more pain. And we're going to talk about that today. So go ahead and open your Bible up uh, to the book of Philippians, that great epistle that Paul wrote uh, that deals with Christian joy in our life. And so take your Bible and be finding the book of Philippians as we study the painkiller. Say it together. What is it? Insecurity. Now you may say, well, Brother Jackie, is that really a painkiller? Yes, it is. A lot of people run to insecurity when they're hurting and they're in pain. And a lot of times pain will push you uh, to the place of insecurity. And there's a lot of people that never blossom, never bloom, never fulfill their purpose because they got hurt and because they got hurt, they went into insecurity. I would dare say that there's a lot of you that battle that yourself. You battle insecurity. And I'm going to talk to you about that today to try to get you to understand some very important things. Now, before we read that scripture, let me say a few things to you that will kind of set the background for what we're going to talk about today. So are you ready? Say amen. Now, I want to make sure you understand this. I'm going to speak for a few minutes, and uh, probably everything that I'm going to say, you're not going to, you're not going to really, it's not going to really resonate uh, with you every word that I say. But let me tell you what I do, and Denise, what we do. Uh, when we go listen to somebody speak, uh, when I go to listen to somebody speak, I know without a shadow of a doubt that everything they say probably is not going to just make me jump up and say hallelujah, all right? 
But I'm always looking for one statement that I call our nugget, and I may listen to somebody speak for an hour and get nothing out of what they say but that one little statement, and I say, you know what? That's why God got me here today, uh, was to give me one little statement that will change my life. So what I want to challenge you is always look for a nugget. With somebody speaking, always look for a nugget. God will give it to you if you look for it, amen? So let's begin today by thinking about this. Insecurity is a pain in and of itself. I believe that insecurity starts with pain in your life, and then it grows from the hurt that you have. When you get hurt, a lot of times you go into insecurity, and insecurity is a pain in itself, and when you get hurt, and you go into insecurity, a lot of times it becomes what I call malignant. That is, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Insecurity will cause all kinds of negative things to be birthed in and of your life, and some of those are real and some of them are imagined. In other words, a lot of times when you get hurt, uh, you'll be pushed into insecurity and uh, there, there's a lot of pain or a lot of things that you will begin to think about and some of those things are real and some of them are imagined. In other words, the devil begins to work with your mind when you are insecure. You will, con you will convince yourself that you're not good enough. You'll never do anything right. You'll never be good enough for anybody. The internal dialogue of someone struggling with insecurity, watch this, is constant, negative, and defeating. You may even look fine on the outside like you've got it all together, but your thoughts that you're having on the inside, uh, you're, you're having thoughts like this. I'll never be good enough. I'm worthless. I, I'll never, I'll, I'm always going to be a loser. Nobody's ever going to like me. I'll never be an achiever. I'll never prosper. I'm always going to be like this. And the insecure person, remember this, write this down, feels like a failure. They feel like a failure. No matter how much success they have in their life, they believe they are inferior no matter how smart or good-looking or talented or whatever they may be. Insecurity also births in and of itself unhealthy relationships. When you're insecure, you find yourself having unhealthy relationships, and that, listen, you, you, would, you don't even have a good relationship with yourself. How can you have a good relationship with somebody else? But where does this insecurity come from in our life? And there are a million different answers to that question. Some people battle with insecurity because they had a terrible childhood. They were raised in a home where there was no peace. There was constant confusion, constant fussing and fighting and arguing. Uh, they may have been raised in a home where uh, the parent never gave that, that word of encouragement to them. They were always beat down. They were always looked down upon, talked down to, talked negative. So it can come from a bad childhood. It, it, can, it, it can come from a million different places. It, it, can, it, it can come from, uh, from uh, failure or rejection. Other times it can stem from a trauma uh, that happened in your life. Something that you didn't, that you didn't uh, bargain for. Something that happened that traumatized you and you're insecure. Sometimes uh, insecurity can happen because of people uh, that say negative things about you. We, uh, in Revelation 1, 
we had a scene about a little girl that was being bullied on the, you know, online. And people, this, this person was saying terrible things about them. And because of that, they were pushed into insecurity and ultimately committed suicide because of insecurity. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. But Jesus, hallelujah, said, I've come to give you life and give it what? More abundantly. When you are insecure, write this down. When you are insecure, you are always fearful. You're living in fear every day of your life. You, you hide. You, you don't, you, you, you're, you're fearful of getting hurt again. And so when you go to insecurity to, to run from your pain, what happens is fear sets in and it pushes you deeper into insecurity. And when you get deeper into it, depression, defeat, discouragement is, is what would be, be uh, used to describe your life. Insecurity, write this down. Boy, this is good, y'all. Insecurity will make you miserable. It'll make you miserable. And I want to add something to it. Normally, it makes everybody around you miserable. Because when you're insecure... It not only affects you, it affects people around you. And all of a sudden, insecurity produces dependence. And that dependence, watch this, if you got hurt in your life and that pain is there and that pain pushed you to insecurity, then all of a sudden that, that, that insecurity will open a door. Watch this now. It'll open a door that says, I've got to be dependent on something. And all of a sudden, if you're not careful, watch this. Watch, are y'all listening? Say amen. amen. You'll become dependent on everything around you rather than the God above you. Amen. And all of a sudden, the devil will pervert that insecurity to the place where you will be, watch this, you'll be miserable, you'll be fearful, and you will struggle with, with allowing God to fulfill his purpose in your life. So take your copy of God's word and open it to the book of Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6, Paul is uh, talking to the church in Philippi and he's encouraging them and saying, I'm praying for you. Paul, uh, Paul tells the church there, I am praying for you, I'm giving thanksgiving for you. And Paul wants them to be a church, watch this, that lives in total abundance and happiness and joy. He wants them to be overcomers. And he says, you know what, I'm praying for you. I'm pray making, I pray for you in joy. I, uh, I thank God for your fellowship in the gospel. Now watch what he says in verse number six. Are you there? Write this. Listen to me now. This is important. He says being. Now that word being in the King James is an interesting word. What it means is a consistency. That is you have to position yourself in a place of consistency. Being. And I like what one theologian says and I like this. In that very first word he says you are to remind yourself that you are to always be. You are to always, in other words, write this down. You are to be at. You are to be at, that is, in, in the good times and the bad times, in the mountaintops and the valleys, you are to be at that place, watch this, being. That's not something that has happened. That's not something that's going to happen. It is a present position that Paul challenges them that they are to be at. Being what? Be what? Right, say the next word. 
The next word is powerful, y'all. Being confident. Underline that in your Bible. It's not that you have been confident. It's not that you're going to be confident. But that you are to be apt. You are to be confident. You are to be confident. That doesn't mean that you're going to be boastful. It doesn't mean that you're going to be prideful. It doesn't mean that you're going to be arrogant. But you are to be at a place consistently in your life, watch this, where you have absolute, wonderful, and glorious confidence. Confidence. What am I going to have confidence about? This very thing. This very thing. What very thing? Well, let's look at it. I'm going to be at, and I'm going to be confident of this very thing. There's one thing that you can anchor your soul to, that you can be rock solid with, no matter what's going on in your life. Watch this. Read this with me out loud, everybody. That he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen, y'all? Let's give God praise for that promise. That is... That is, all hell may come against me, but write this down. Don't miss this. God is at work. Don't miss it. No matter what happens, no matter what I have to go through, no matter the good times or the bad times, watch this. God is at work. God is at work. I may not understand it. I may not see it. I can't comprehend it. I don't know what he's doing, but there's one thing that I'm confident of. He's doing something. And whatever he's doing, remember this, is good. And whatever he's doing in my life is for my benefit. That no matter what's going on, God is at work. God is on the throne. He started something in me, and hallelujah, praise God. To God be the glory what he started, watch this, he will finish. He's going to, watch, I can be confident no matter what I'm experiencing, no matter what pain I'm going through, no matter what heartache I'm going through, watch this. I can stop along the journey of life and the devil will start whispering to me, you're not good enough. You'll never measure up. You're always going to be a loser. You, you know what? This pain you'll never get over. You're always going to struggle. Nobody likes you. Nobody cares about you. You'll never hit the high mark. You'll never hit the le high level water. You'll never be okay. You'll never be an achiever. I can stop along the journey of my life, and I can look at the devil, and I can say it to myself when I get stupid. Watch this. Stop this. Stop this. Whoa, stop. I may not have it all figured out. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the valley. I don't know how I'm going to make it to tomorrow. I don't know how it's all going to work out in the end. But there's one thing I know. God is at work. Can I get an amen? I'm confident of one thing. Irregardless of my mistakes, irregardless of my bad decisions, irregardless of my failures, God is at work. And I can also be assured of something else. Write this down. He's not only at work, but he absolutely loves me. He loves me enough, watch this, this is good, that he will not give up on me. I may be going through hell itself. I may be hurting so bad I can't hardly stand it. But God's at work. God loves me, 
and he will not give up on me. He will not quit. To God be the glory. He cares about me. So I may, everything around me, <coughs> everything around me may be falling apart, but God is rock solid. And my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And I will anchor this old battered ship to the rock of ages. And he will be there for me. So you know why? I don't understand it. I don't, I don't have all the answers. But I can be confident. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen, y'all? I can look at your neighbor and say, I can be confident. I can be confident. If you don't have a neighbor to look at, shame on you. You should have brought one to church with you. Listen to me. I can be confident. And you know what? The devil don't want you to be confident. He don't want you to be confident. So, so let me give you a few things. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to give it to you. I know I'm going to get there. Y'all hang with me. It's good stuff. What is the problem of insecurity? The problem of insecurity. Now, I thought about three characters in the Bible that we can turn to and learn from their life. And you know what? There are a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them that we can learn from. But these three characters are three that I picked out to say, well, you know what? I can kind of relate with them. Uh, they, uh, and I think we all can to some degree. The first one is Moses. How many of y'all would say that Moses... Uh, was at times really insecure. Would you agree with that? I mean, good night. Here he is. Uh, he's a powerful man of God, chosen of God to do great things for God. And, uh, <clears throat> and God sent, listen, God manifests himself to him in a phenomenal way. And uh, God calls him and says to him in Exodus chapter 4, verse number 10, and there's a lot to be said about this, but I'm just going to kind of hit the highlights. So just hang with me. And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither hitherto, nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant. I'm slow of speech and a slow tongue. You know what, he, what he's saying? I'm not worthy to speak on your behalf. I can't speak well. I don't know all the words to say. Has God ever told, given you an opportunity to say something for him and you've, and you've given that excuse because you're going, I'm insecure in how I speak. Uh, you know what? I, I, kinda, I understand that completely, guys. Listen, I graduated in the top half of the lower part of my graduating class. And uh, if you were to have said to me, now wait a minute, Brother Jackin, uh, you're, you're going you're gonna to go to high school and you're going to do what you do in high school, whatever that may be, God help us. And uh, when you get out of high school, you're going, to marry, you're going to marry this little sweetheart over here, and she's going to be your prime rib, the love of your life, the apple of your eye. And we've been knowing each other since third grade. And uh, you know what? She's been stalking me since the third grade all through this school. And we're going to get married. We, we Listen, we got married when we were just kids. Uh, we didn't have a clue. Uh, we had a uh, 12 by 50 uh, uh, trailer uh, with gold shag carpet in it. We thought we had arrived at that time. It was a third high, uh, hand trailer. And uh, man, you know what? Here we go. And then watch this. God calls me in the ministry. Listen, 
If you'd have said to me in high school, or in school, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to be standing before hundreds of people talking to them. I would have said, you are on drugs. There's something wrong with you. You're absolutely crazy. That's not going to happen. And you know what? When God called me into the ministry, I can relate to that. I can't speak. Listen, I'll destroy the English language. I say ain't. I say stuff that you shouldn't say. Uh, you know, I, and the Lord said unto him, watch this. And this is kind of what God said to me. Who made your mouth, boy? Can I give an amen? Who makes the dumb or the deaf or seeing or the blind? I'm the Lord that made you. Now, therefore, go and shut your mouth and I'll be with your mouth. Can I give an amen? By the hand of him that thou wilt sin... And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and guess what? Moses strapped him with his, with his brother and said, if you won't do it, I'll just send your brother to speak. Uh, you'll have to use him. Aaron's going to be there, and uh, the Levite, thy brother, I know he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh to meet thee, and uh, when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. In other words, you're giving me every excuse in the world. You're insecure. I'm the guy, I'm the guy that made you. But listen, if you're going to be hard-headed about it, I'll just strap your brother to your side. And y'all do know this, right? That it's the brother that was hanging out with the Israelites building the golden calf when Moses was on the mountain praying. And, and he got them all in all kind of trouble. Amen? So his insecurity produced pain. If Moses had just said, God, you know what, I'll just be obedient to you, then I wonder, I wonder, would the Israelites had as much problems? Maybe God would, maybe they would have been, a, maybe they wouldn't have had to go through as much pain. But because of Moses' insecurity and giving God excuses, God's going, okay, I, my purpose is going to be done. My, my will is going to be done. Now, you can either work with me or, or I'm, you're going to have to, you're going to have to deal with how I'm going to get it done. But I started this thing, and I'm going to finish it. God has started things; He's always going to finish. But notice the problem with with Moses; He had this issue. Now let's look at Abraham and Sarah for a minute. You remember the story? Abraham and Sarah, uh, they're old, and they, you know their their womb is barren, and uh, God's given them a promise. It's an Abrahamic covenant. And God says, you know what, I'm going to produce this covenant through you. And uh, all of a sudden in Genesis 16, 1 through 4, and now Sarah's, uh, Abraham's wife, bear him no children. How are, you going to, how are you going to have a covenant, a promise when you ain't got no kids? So, and she had in the handmaid an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. I pray thee, go into my maid, that it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, uh, Abraham, to be his wife. And he went into her, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now think about this for a minute. <clears throat> Here it is. God has given Abraham and Sarah a promise. And, and you know what? They, they didn't have faith enough to wait. So write, write this down. They took matters in their own hands. All right? So when they took matters in their own hands... 
because they're of the insecurity they've got, what happens? Pain creates more pain if it's done the wrong way. So Moses had this insecure problem. Sarah had the insecure problem. How about the thief on the cross? How about that one? Uh, just looking over at the New Testament. Here we got a thief on the cross that's dying by Jesus. And one of the male factors who were hanged railed on him, saying, if you be the Christ, save us and yourself. But the other answered, rebuked him, saying, do you not fear God? seeing that you are in the same condemnation. Think about this for a minute. Here you, got, here you got Moses that's got a problem with insecurity. Here you got uh, Abraham and Sarah's got a problem with insecurity. Here you got a thief on the cross that, man, you talk about insecure. He's dying on the cross. There is no hope. There is nothing for him. And, and he's railing on Jesus. And Jesus between two th thieves on the cross that they're, they're insecure about everything. And so when we look there together, we have to roll it back, y'all. Everybody say, roll it back. Now, before I roll it back, let's, let, are you listening to me? We talked about Moses. We talked about Abraham and Sarah. We talked about uh, the thief on the cross. Are you listening? Are y'all listening to me? I told you about the problem they got. Moses says, oh, no, I, I can't do it. I can't speak. I can't. Do you think that was the beginning of his pain? Do you think that was the beginning of his problem? Absolutely not. How about Abraham and Sarah? Do you think in chapter 16 was the beginning of their problem? No. Do you think the thief on the cross, the, the, his problem was on the cross? Absolutely not. What I want you to understand, look at me. Come in here with me, y'all. What we just read about was the issues the after effects of their insecurity. Their insecurity wasn't at that moment. Are you listening to me? Their insecurity started years before that. What am I saying to you? A lot of the problems that we see in our life, a lot of the pain, the problems, is not something that just happened. A lot of times things happen back here that creates problems over there. Are you with me? So, so I'm going to give it to you. Boy, I could, I could preach on this for a month. I could, I could teach you this for a month. What is the pain of insecurity? What happened to Moses? What happened to Moses? Are y'all listening to me? What happened to Moses to cause him to say, God, I'm not worthy to speak? What happened in his life that messed him up? What happened in his life that, that, that somewhere back here, it affected something up there? Well, Moses was running from his past. He's running from his past. You ever done that? You ever done something in your past? that's back here and it was painful and now the devil has held you captive with that all your life and when you get over here God says I want you to do something for me and you go God I can't do that why can't you do that because 
something happened over here that made me insecure. And because something happened back here that scarred me, that messed me up, that hindered what you was going to do down there. God, there's something that happened in my past that I don't feel worthy enough to do what you just asked me to do. What happened in his past? Well, we studied chapter 4, but two chapters earlier than that, we find that it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, after he had been a kid, he goes out with his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren, and he looked this way, and he looked that way, and he, when he saw nobody was looking, he killed that Egyptian. And he took that Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strolled together, and he said to him that did the wrong, why are you smiting your brother? And he said, who made you a prince or a judge over us? Intendus, are you going to kill me too? Like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses, what? Come on. Feared and said, surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses, come on, fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Median, and he sat down by a well. Now the Bible, are y'all listening to me? So the Bible tells us that Moses got out of Dodge and he went to the, the Bible says, the backside of the desert. And it was in the backside of the desert. Are you listening to me? <clears throat> Are y'all with me? It was in the backside of the desert that God showed up in a burning bush and said, I got a plan for you. Go speak to Pharaoh. And Moses said, God, I can't speak. Do you really think that his problem started at the burning bush? His problem started way over here when he killed somebody. And what happened way back here, watch this, are you listening? The devil put a chain on him. The devil began to bind him with what he did back here. And now Moses is dealing with what he did back here is hindering what God wants to do out there. And now Moses over here is going, I can't, I'm not worthy. Why aren't you worthy? Because I've been, are you listening to me? I feel like I'm speaking to somebody. Why are you not worthy, Moses? Who made your mouth, boy? Well, because I've been running from my past all my life. I've been running from my past all my life. I've been hiding stuff all my life. I've been trying to get away from what I've done all my life. And now I meet you at a burning bush. 
And because of what I did, are y'all listening to me? Because of what I did back there, I'm so insecure when I get here that I don't feel worthy. I can't do it, God. You ever done that? Has the devil ever used that to cause you to be so insecure that he can't take you where he wants to take you? Because you paralyzed with your past. Moses' problem happened back there, not up here. But let's think about Sarah and Abraham. They were not running from necessarily their past. They was running from barrenness. She had a womb that couldn't produce something. In that day, she was marked. She wasn't worth anything. Her, her, just who she was as a woman in that day, because she couldn't produce no kids, said, you're not worth anything. I've got a womb that won't produce nothing. And because my womb won't produce nothing, I feel like I am nothing. So I've got to figure out a way to get some kind of self-worth. So what I can do is I can do it the world's way. I'll get another woman to lay with my husband so that her womb will produce what my womb can't produce. And the devil is messing with her all along the journey. And then if you think about it, Sarah and Abraham's problem with Hagar didn't happen in chapter 16. It happened five chapters earlier where it was pronounced on her womb she was barren and she had no child. Five chapters earlier, she was tapped as a woman that was barren, that couldn't produce nothing, that couldn't achieve anything, that made her felt like she was a loser. She wasn't how worth anything. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like your womb was barren? You ever asked this question, why am I here? I'm not good for nothing. Have you ever felt like that, that you as an individual, you couldn't produce anything worth anything out of your life? You ever felt like a failure? You ever felt like that everybody else had it going on, but you didn't because you were barren in your life and you couldn't produce anything worth anything and everybody around you was hitting home runs and everybody around you was doing good, but when you look at your life, nothing good was coming out of it. And because of that, you became insecure. But remember... God says, I started something and I'm going to finish it. You may think your womb is barren, but just a little while later on, you're going to supernaturally conceive. And you're going to give birth. But see, when they took matters in their own hands because of insecurity, 
Their insecurity created pain for everybody else and themselves. Barrenness. What about the thief on the cross? I put the pain of condemnation. I want you to write a new one for me. That's true. It is condemnation. You ever felt like you were con condemned? So write this one. Now, don't miss this because somebody's going to ask you, but I'm going to ask you to write it down. Moses was running from his past. Sarah and Abraham was running from a barren womb. The thief, write this down, was running from the law. <clears throat> he would run up you say, Brother Jackie, what do you mean he was running from the law? Well, you do know he was hanging on the cross because the law caught up with him. He was stealing. You got a record? You ever run from something like that? And because you run from it, you feel condemned. Maybe the law caught up with you. Maybe, maybe the law has sentenced you. When the law sentences you, and you feel like you're condemned, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. See, Jesus took the condemnation that's hanging over our head on himself on the cross. But here we got a thief now hanging on a cross that's running from the law, and because he got caught by the law, now he's condemned to die. Verse number 41 says that we indeed justify ourselves, he says to the other thief on the other cross. We indeed justify ourselves for we received the due rewards of our deeds. I got caught up with. I deserved this. But this man right here in the middle, come on now. He's done nothing. You leave him alone. Quit, quit, hit, quit, quit condemning him. He's getting what he don't deserve. But we getting what we do deserve. He's running from the law. He's so insecure that he's, write this down, hopeless. He's so insecure, he's hopeless. There's no hope for him. Now, contrary to Moses, at least God strapped him with a crazy brother. God's purpose got done. In Sarah and Abraham's life, at least God opened her womb and the promise of Abraham was produced not only for them but for us too. But a hopeless, helpless, condemned thief that's so insecure on a cross because he has no hope. What do you do with him and his insecurity? There are people that have been insecure that finally they get a breakthrough. But what about those people that live their whole life that say nothing ever good happens to me? I can't catch a break if I wanted to. Remember, your God is not only the God of time, but he's the God of eternity. Sometimes the devil will try to to not only make you secure in time, he'll try to make you insecure in eternity. 
And in this thief's life, he's hanging on the cross insecure and hopeless. You ever been there? You ever felt like there was no hope for you? You think, man, all I've had is hell all my life. And it's never got any better. I've tried to make it better. It's never got, can I tell you this? God didn't create you just for time. He created you for eternity. Sometimes we have to look at a bigger picture. Not just what's going on right now, but what's going to be going on forever. Are y'all with me? So before I get down to where I need to be, let me give you the path of insecurity. What is... What does this path do? Well, I'm going to give you five things. Write it down real quick. Not going to elaborate on it, but this is how insecurity will work in your life. You'll have pain. You'll get hurt. That pain will hurt you, and then you will get insecure. I'm never going to achieve anything. I'm never going to be good enough. I'll never get off this cross. There's no hope for me. It's awful. It's terrible. I'll just wither up and die. I'll never, I'll never be good enough. Nobody will ever love me. I'll never be able to do that. I can't do that. Insecurity. When the devil smells insecurity, he injects fear. You become afraid. The Bible says God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The devil, when he senses, are y'all listening to me? When he senses insecurity, he wants to inject fear. And fear is a demonic spirit. So that demonic spirit is sent to torment you and to create in your life doubt. When you have doubt, doubt stands in opposition to faith. When you're insecure, your doubt is going to cause a real problem in your faith. And when your faith is interrupted, unbelief sets in. When you have unbelief in your life, that's when you're defeated. When you have undefeated in your life, you feel hopeless and helpless. So the path that is taken for you or in you, when you have insecurity, starts with pain. Say it out loud. It's what? Pain. What? Insecurity. What? Fear, doubt, and unbelief. And watch this. You remember what I told you? Remember what? Don't go there yet. Remember what I told you? When you have pain, if you run to the wrong thing, your pain will get worse. So if you have insecurity in your life because of your pain and you run to the wrong thing, your pain will get worse. And you will have unbelief. And listen, darkness, depression, discouragement, low self-worth, low self-esteem, defeated. I'm never going to be good enough. I can't make it. I can't do this. I can't do that. But God, I can't talk in front of people. But God, I'm barren in my womb. But God, I'm hopeless. And that's where that takes you, into a painful life. 
Are you with me? Now, what's the provision for insecurity? How do you, what is God's provision for it? If God says that he started something and he will finish it, what is his provision for your insecurity? Well, I'm a, if you open your Bible to the book of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and he said unto me, say it together, my grace is sufficient for you. Come on now. My strength is perfected in your weakness. Can I get an amen? amen. Paul says, most, most gladly, therefore, I'd rather glory in my infirmities, watch this, so that, say it with me, the power of God will rest on me. In that scripture, I'm going to give it to you quickly, there are three provisions God gives you for your insecurity. The first one is profound, and that is this. The provision of God's grace. When you're insecure, you have the grace of God. The grace of God doesn't go away. It's always there. God's grace has been shown to us. Can I get an amen? No matter where you are in life, no matter what you're battling with, no matter what your struggle is, no matter what your pain is, don't ever forget, God has shown his grace on you. You still have God's grace. Nothing can take away the grace of God. It is God's grace that has been bestowed upon you abundantly. It is undeserved favor, unmerited blessing. God has his grace given to you and distributed to you and upon you. God, it doesn't mean that life is going to be easy, but what it does mean is God's grace is always there to help you, to strengthen you, for you to turn to, for you to latch on to, for you to claim. And you, you say, Brother Jackie, where I am in my pain, I feel like I have nothing left. Well, that's a lie. You always have God's grace. No matter how bad it is, no matter how dark it gets, God's grace is upon you. Don't ever forget, you have the provision of God's grace. Secondly, you have the provision of God's strength. You say to me, Brother Jackie, I'm hurting so bad, I can't stand up on my own two feet. That's probably true. But you can stand with God, and he will stand with you. No matter what goes on in life, you've got the strength of God. When you feel like you can't do anything, and your strength is up, if you will depend upon his grace, you will get God's strength. God will give you the strength to go on when you feel like you can't take another step. Can I get an amen? You've always got God's strength. But watch this. You've also got God's power. Op available and operative to you. When, you. when you look at those three things, God, what Paul says, is you know what? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul said, because of those two, I will glory in my infirmities because the power of God's going to rest upon me. 
no matter where you are in life, no matter what you're going through in life, no matter the pain, no matter all that stuff, you've got God giving you three provisions. What are they? Say them out loud. God's grace, God's strength, and God's provision. Can I get an amen? Anybody want to give him glory for that? It's an awesome thought. That no matter what I've got going on in my life, I can always have those three. So no matter where I am, my insecurity doesn't need to hold me back from whatever God's going to do in my life because he said I will produce it. I, can, I don't need to revert back to my insecurity. I need to reach out for God's grace, God's strength, and God's power. All things work together for the good of them that love God, who are called according to his purpose. God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I can cast my care on him because he cares for me. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We have to realize that we have a God that loves us, that cares about us, that when we're struggling with our pain, he's there for us. Now let me give you the closing remark. Your insecurity can be made secure. Y'all read that bottom line with me out loud. Come on, you need to do that. Your insecurity can be made secure, come on, but only in Christ. You can't have security in this world. This world doesn't give it to you. You'll never get security in your bank account. You'll never get security in the things of this world. Watch this. But you can have security in Christ. Watch, are you listening? Even though you may say all hope is gone, even though you may say that, listen to pastor, there is still hope. Because God, listen to me now, God did not create you for time. He created you for eternity. Let's go back to the thief for a minute. He's condemned on the cross. No hope. And notice the grace, the strength, and the power of God that's demonstrated to him in his last moments on the cross. Jesus looks over to him, Luke 23, 41, and says these words, We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come to your kingdom. You want to see God's grace? You want to see God's strength? You want to see God's power? You want to see God's love? Jesus looks over at him and says, Man, you don't have to be insecure anymore. Today, you'll be with me 
paradise. Can I get an amen? You don't have to worry about it no more. Your days of struggle are over. Today, today, your insecurity will become secure. Watch this. Because I know you. I know you. Your name is written in my Father's book. I know you. You may have to go through hell itself on this earth. But no matter what you have to walk through, you can have security. Watch this. Because my Father knows you. He knows you. You don't have to run to insecurity to fix your pain. Run to Jesus. And your insecurity is made secure in Christ. Would you bow your heads with me all over this place? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, our ministers are going to come. Maybe today you need to come. Maybe you need to give Jesus your life. Maybe you need to ask Him in your heart. Maybe today you need to come to one of these guys and say, you know what, I need to be saved today. I want to be saved. I want to give Christ my heart. These men are here to help you with that. Maybe today you want to join the church. If I wasn't a member, I'd join today. Good place. We'd love to have you. Come and make that decision. Or maybe you need to come to this altar because all your life you've battled with insecurity. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, one question. Did anything that was said to you today speak to you? If it did, just slip up your hand wherever you are. Do you need to come and say, Lord, I've been battling this one all my life. Thank you for speaking to me today and helping me. You just come on the altar right now. Why don't you stand and come right now as we begin to sing. You come. If you're in the middle of the aisle, say, excuse me. They'll get out of your way. Let's stand together. You come as we make these decisions for Christ.